it's like I was talking about Santa Monica. And, you know, you joke about it, but it's like the last session that I had there, it took me two hours and 40 minutes to get there. And you're talking about less than, thir- oh, less yeah. than 30 miles. Oh, yeah. It's you know, nuts. It's, it's absolutely it's, insane. So it's, it's really conducive to work. You know, hey, how you doing? I'm doing fucking great, okay? You know, like, oh, been on the 405. Can we get this done? You. I've got traffic on the road. <laughs> it's like, he's suffering from 405. Yeah, really. Gotta go. Possible side effects may be being pissed off at everyone. <laughs> you know, so, anyway. <laughs> oh, uh, great. We're in trouble God. now. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Mark Rao is a voiceover legend, the owner of the legendary Mark Rao voiceover studios in beautiful Burbank, California, and a hell of a great guy. Growing up in the audio business, Mark's been a voice talent for more than four decades with literally hundreds of crazy voices, and you'll hear most of them today, and a few sane ones. You can hear Mark in animated TV shows, hundreds of video games, movies, radio commercials, and so much more. He is the program narrator for Alaska State Troopers. He's a regular in the World of Warcraft properties. He even played Mario and Luigi and Bowser in Hotel Mario. Oh, you had to bring that up, uh, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. He is a television actor, a radio imaging voice, a voiceover coach, a conference speaker, an award-winning demo producer, one hell of an engineer, and a studio owner. Absolutely one of the most funny guys and one of the most generous guys I know in a very funny and generous business. So let's get this one going. Let's talk voiceover, Mark Grau. <laughs> My God, after that introduction, I'm just sitting here just basking in the glow. <laughs> I had no idea I was that excited. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, you know. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This will be fun. Absolutely. It's goodness gracious, Brian. You were at the studio back in what? 1987. Good Lord. 1987, you and I met. I was working at uh, that new concept called The Wave in Los That's Angeles. Right. Yeah. and 94-7. You guys were doing the production pieces that were the anti-disc jockey. Right. When they switched, the yeah, time. they came in and just, it, it's sure, KMET was the original really cool rock station. That was this the mighty station Mac, yeah. that everybody grew up with in L.A. that, you know, you'd listen to under the blankets and go, oh, wow, they're playing B-sides to Hendrix. You know, it was, you know we thought that was so cool. <laughs> You know, and the, and then they immediately went to this wave format that every you know, and the time chicks were like, "Hi, Bob, how's your BMW?" <laughs> well, it's it's marvelous. <laughs> I've been leasing it for the last three months, Bill. It's Sting three hundred five. It was like, yeah, that's that's going to work real well on the radio. Guys. And the, the station has done well, but it was a a very odd change. And there was they kind of came in and wiped. It was the a concept. Yeah, it it was, and it, it's still going. Yeah. It's it's kind of changed a little bit. There was a lot of people that were very pissed off at us, you know. Well, you got and it was what? No, 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 no. They just contacted the studio to do this. We we had nothing to do with the format change. (laughs) Mark, was it you? No, 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 no. No, actually, it was it was awesome because Mark was the uh, first studio that I actually worked for, and I worked directly with Mark, and I I kind of came in as a nighttime engineer. Learn more in the time I spent with Mark than probably at any other point in my career. So yeah, but uh, God, I really we had to do. clean the porn off of those computers every day. I mean, geez, yeah. Brian, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on at night. And that was before dial-up, so I had to bring my own and load <laughs> it up yeah. on the computer. So that was the best part. I never even knew a German Shepherd could do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then let's see. 
came back in 2004 and brought my buddy Randy with. And I think the first thing that we all did together was one of the Cabela's probably. games. Oh, yeah. I think it was yeah. the Dangerous, one of, one of the, the dangerous the hunting, hunting Games. games. Yeah. Yep, that's probably true. That's yeah. probably true. I'd forgotten about those. So we did that. We did a we did a bunch of other video games together. Uh, World Series of Poker. The Barbie games. We did Barbie. You can't forget Barbie. Yep. Yep. Stop it. Dancing with the stars. <laughs> I, just, I don't yeah. like to talk about Barbie. Okay. It just it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> We did so much stuff there. It was so funny. You know, I got to ask you, a couple of years ago, a fabulous movie about the voiceover business came out. It was In a World, mm-hmm. the Lake Bell flick. Right. So I go to see this movie and I walk out of the movie and I'm basically in tears. My wife goes, what's wrong? And I said, this is my life. This is my life on the screen because not only is it about voiceover and probably one of the best depictions of what it is to work in a studio and work as a voiceover artist, but... It all took place at your at your legendary Mark Grouse. Yeah, they shot it Burbank. all. They shot it all there, and even when they went to uh, go to some separate production offices, they actually just used upstairs and, and blocked that off to make it look like a separate office. But it was great. You know, Bill is is an amazingly talented woman. I I was very lucky because I had known Bill previously, so. Everybody else had, I mean, even Joe Cipriano, Mark Elliott, I mean, they actually had to audition and Bell just came and said, hey, do you want to do this? And it was like, well, of course, I'd, I'd be more than happy to. And it's really a, a Cinderella story. I mean, she put that thing together on next to nothing, you know, took it up to the film festival and won, what was it, the best writing prize and Sony picked it up. And I think so. And distributed yeah. it. Yeah. She, yeah. She's flying now. She's a very talented girl. She really is. She's a tour de force. So like I said, for me, it was really trippy because it was my whole life, including the studio that I spent so much time in, up on the screen. And it really kind of struck me in an awkwardly interesting way. How about you? What were your takes on it when you actually saw the movie? The thing I liked about it is it became very good friends with Fred Melamed, who plays her dad. And it, yeah. and it just, I mean, it was a definite camaraderie. We had a ball, especially with Cipriano and Elliot and so when we were doing the that party scene. You know, in the movie and the party and, scene in the house, yeah, 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 in the mansion, yeah. And yeah, it was just, it was just interesting. It was kind of a neat skew on it, in the fact that it, that especially the trailer side of the business is very much male dominated, mm-hmm. and to see some a female coming in and going, hey, and 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 I think things are are slowly but surely going that way. I think more and more things are spreading out and things that were so in concrete and stereotypical and this is where this is going to be. Slowly, you know, what's interesting, you'll see a lot of women going, well, you know, there's not as much VO work for women. Well, it's like, look at daytime television. I mean, good Lord, it's virtually all female, Mm -hmm. you know, driven. So, you know, I, I think there's room for everybody. I think it's interesting in that the internet it's like a double-edged sword in that it's opened up opportunities for a lot more people. On the other end of the spectrum, there's a lot more people that assume they can do this, but maybe first you should use hooked on phonics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and there's definitely that. And, you know, we'll get tons of demos, you know, like I, I do a dead on Homer Simpson, dope, dope. You know, it's like, well... <laughs> that really wasn't get on and Dan's not going anywhere, you know, kind of thing. But right. it's the interesting thing with the Internet is there's an awful lot. It's like the Wild West with snake oil salesmen. I mean, there's people that are very legit 
And then there's a whole lot of people that just, oh, look, copy paste. Yep. Why, yes, I'm the voice of Fox, Chevy, <laughs> Budweiser, and NBC, and I sit at the right hand of God. Um, you know, and it's like, where's that, where's that picture of God? I want to paste that in there. You know, so sometimes that can be a, a little bit, I think it's probably very daunting for somebody just getting into the business because they're not really sure where where to go, what to do. Um, there's a lot of people that kind of prey on the on the new people coming in going, oh, yeah, this is no. great. You know, all you need, you'll be successful, but all you need is eight demos. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, and it's like, really? You know, like, well, I always okay. tell people to cap out at six. I don't know why anybody would go to eight. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I just think it's a very, it's a very different power. The interesting thing is, too, is that I come from a time when we actually used to still have to schlep to the agent's office or to a casting director's sure. office um, or to yep. the client. And now it's very, very isolated. I mean, you are in a booth by yourself, 99, even in L.A., 99 percent of your auditions are at home by yourself, self-directed. Uh, if you get a call back, you will be asked to come in, or if it's a group read, you know, like a mom, a dad, a battle of the sexes, you know, that, a couple of guys at the bar, you may go in, yeah. and, you know, to, to the agent's office and read. Otherwise, you're pretty much on your own. It can be a very isolating experience. I always laugh going, sometimes having a home studio is not conducive to social or hygienic skills. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I got a question for you on that because I can't say Brian did because of course he was out in LA. Uh, but when I met Brian, uh, it was in the Midwest, of course. Um, and I came out of the Midwest and out of a Midwest media market. Mm -hmm. Yes, people were going to their agent, but they weren't getting directed by them. Now, maybe there was a point or, you know, may maybe if you're working with someone like William Morris, um, they'll actually say, oh, no, no, we'll direct you. Has it changed that much in your world? I mean, was this something that, was, that you used to get directed all the time? Oh, yeah. In L.A., absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you would have you'd actually have a booth director. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, some of them were very, very talented and some were like, you know, an intern. Here, Billy, you go in and do it. Okay, that sounded really good. I liked how you said, tried to say optimistic. It was great. So let's go with that. <laughs> it's like, no, that's great, buddy. Thanks. You know, so, you know, there there was that. But there was just a, a camaraderie because you'd run into people. You know, you'd if you were doing, you know, animation, you'd kind of run into that same group of people mm -hmm. and, and, you know, get to catch up and, and hang out. That's one of the, the good things with the studio is that at least I still have that because people come in a lot. People that don't, you know, again, you're you're basically at home. It's it's astounding how everything has become boiled down to I always tell people, you know, it's there's different techniques now, way different than for auditions, from a standpoint that you're not there. They can't see you, they can't see your personality. You can't go, Oh yeah, remember we worked together on, you know, this game, that animation. So, oh yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, that connection. That's not there anymore. It doesn't matter what you look like, how sterling your personality is, how beautiful your smile is. You are now an MP3, you know, mm -hmm. and that's right. That's what you're going to be judged off of. Yeah, but I do think that is something that cuts both ways. I mean, because, you know, sometimes there was unconscious bias. I mean, I guess there still is, but now... Yeah, well, that ain't even funny, man. Randy, I'll just smack your head. There ain't no damn bias. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just needed... I don't know who that was. Get out. Okay. <laughs> he had to get out. He had to get out. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you deal with that, Mark? You don't go into the studios to audition as much anymore. You're doing a lot of stuff at home. How do you monitor yourself? How do you continue to make sure that... The auditions are fresh. The audition, you know, you don't get stuck in your own loop. Well, I think the, the key, what I tell people, it's like 
direction on a piece of copy, and, and you may disagree because you, you deal with this a lot, but to me, I think now, direct. remember in Pirates of the Caribbean when he goes, well, it's not exactly rules, it's more guidelines. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think you know, sometimes you can get so bogged down with the backstory on stuff that really doesn't have anything pertaining to the voice. It's it's like, well, he was, you know, born on the planet's flanklets, and then uh, when he was four years old, he was absconded by the clankly people, and then he was uh, raised by the mountain goats, on, and it's like, okay, what kind of voice do you, is he big, is he small, is he tall, thin, fat, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> so I think the, that the key to that is, I call it road mapping, it's the way the copy is written, you can sometimes get a better idea, do they want him swarmy, do they want him... Backhanded, kind of that Patrick Warburton-y kind of a feel. Do they want, you know, a very sweet, right. enduring dad? Do they want... And the video game stuff, yeah. of course, is very different. But, and you can attest to that, Randy, it's the video game stuff probably requires the most acting chops of, of any voiceover genre there is. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, even if it's a, you know, futuristic or what, it it needs to be real. And the scenes are, are the cinematics and stuff are ridiculously real looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, incredibly so. Well, and know. it needs to be real in what is often a very unreal setting. I mean, you know, even look at any of the bigger games that you want to, whether it's World of Warcraft or Elder Scrolls, it needs to be believable as if you're there, even right. though this is a really unreal setting, um, but you need to be as if you're there and this is what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, believability is key. But even like that with it, you know, with the orcs, which I played, you know, eight million of them. It still needs to because he might be a dad orc. He might be, you know, concerned that some of his warriors have died. You know, and I mean, it's not all that yell kind of. A, although we did uh, the Warcraft movie, we did four days of ADR on that, and it was like everybody uh, was like, "Yeah, that was that was great." <laughs> um, you know, it was well. It's like can't can't orcs just talk and not you know? And it was like every scene in the movie is a battle scene and full bore. You know, kind of just yell crazy. You know. So <laughs> that was a oh, little bit of a thrasher. Yeah, I would think so. But the thing is, too, is it's just, you know, once again, everybody has heard that. It's not a matter of, you know, oh, I do silly voices. It's kind of, you need to kind of think on your feet. People will go, well, so how far ahead do you get the script? Um, Right when I'm walking in the booth. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's, and you'll get very odd. I just had one playing a, a wizard that was two pages, not a word of dialogue, all all efforts. And reactions and, uh, and stuff, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, this. Why? Why do I feel like I have Tourette? <laughs> you know, I had this one game uh, that was like that. It was two pages worth of efforts, and uh, it, it was brilliant. It was uh, actually some brilliant stuff, and it was replicated across a number of characters. So uh, various people did these efforts over and over. My favorite one was there was this whole series where there was this statue that was in the middle of town. Uh, it would be like you know, like a statue of Hitler in your town, only. It's not Hitler. It's a fantasy world, and it's their demon, so to speak. Um, but you know, but you had to do all these things. My favorite one was the one where you had to. The players had the, the uh, characters had to kick the statue. They were so pissed off. It was like they're trying to knock it down, which you know it's thirty feet high and it's stone, and you're not going to knock it down. And so you had these actors that are communicating this, but of course they can't use anything but their voice. That's just all <laughs> I've got. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, there, yeah, there's weird. Um, I did um, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which was this was really threw me for a loop. I played this little. It was a baby dominator. It was like their homage to ET. 
most of what I play is dead or mutated. The running gag is I never play the guy next door. I usually play the guy that kills the guy next door. And <laughs> so, you know, you walk in the room and you book this thing and here's this adorable, so it's all, you know, kind of stuff. You know, that's this sweet little endearing thing. And it's once again, too, this is ADR for the TV show. Oh, gosh. <laughs> four pages of dialogue and all it says is effort. Effort. Wow. Effort, and then it's ADR, effort, so you got to watch it over and over. <laughs> You know. And at some point, how, so, how how different can that become? Well, it's it's the same thing. It's the emotion. Like maybe he's sad, maybe he's scared. Me, you know, he's crying. He wants his mom. You know, or he's angry. Or you know, the, the, and that's what needs to come through in that. <laughs> and having raised two daughters, well, that wasn't too tough. Oh, sorry, <laughs> um, but they're not listening. It's okay. They're growing now. They understand. <laughs> yeah, they're they're listening to their own kid going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been working nonstop since before I met you doing voiceover stuff. Where is most of your bread and butter? Where do you get the most work and what do you like doing the most? Well, the studio really is across the board. It's the ADR stage has become very, very busy. We do all the ADR for DC's Legends of Tomorrow, for The Flash, a lot of, uh, believe it or not, more and more feature work. So nice. Studio 4 stays pretty busy, and that was the whole pretense of building a huge, much larger than normal studio where you could even put 15 people in the control room if you needed. Right. So that right. you can have a, a whole bunch of people giving it cross-direction. That makes no sense. <laughs> um, you know, so that stays, you know, in fact, we had a very cool, we were doing a, a, a lockup with Source Connect with Pinewood Studios in London, and it was like, yeah, hang on just for a second, the director wants to jump on, and it was saying, hey, yeah, sure, and it was Ron Howard. It was like, well, that's kind of cool. Nice. So, so that's stayed very, and then we do, you know, a lot, a lot of video game stuff. We've been doing more and more and more now. A lot of localization stuff. Yeah. Um, where localization for those that don't is like if you take a Chinese, Korean, Russian video game, TV show, whatever, and then do the the uh, American dub, the English dub of it, and right. sync everything. We, in fact, we <laughs> we had one. This is great. They decided to do Huckleberry Finn. Right. Okay. Huck Finn. Okay. The problem was that they shot it in Bulgaria, so everyone is. That why is Jim the Negro guy is for on the raft now. Go find Injun Joe in the cave. You know, Huck Finn. How come you are here? I love here being in the deep south. You know, it's like, uh, guys, I think we're lacking something here. <laughs> Just, so that that took a lot of, of replacement, and <laughs> sure. you know, so you, that kind of and then of course all the bread and butter stuff as far you know tons of ISDN as far as commercial work and and narrations and all that kind of stuff. How about your voice work though? Um, the majority of that still is. Um, I mean, I, I do you know a fair amount of stuff for like Cartoon Network as far as promos and that kind of stuff, but um, mm -hmm. the re really the majority of it is still probably the biggest is video game right now. But that kind of fluctuates between that and animation stuff. Um, if you have a good agent, it'll be kind of across the board. But it's, it's again, it's be careful what you wish for. I mean, everyone, you know, just, oh, wow, man, if I just had an agent, I'll get out of bed at like noon and the limo will pick me up and I'll go have a nice light <laughs> lunch and then they'll take me to the session. It's like, well, not exactly. Not really. Um, you know, it's it is a numbers game. So the the more that you're auditioning, you know, the the better the thing. And you have you know clients, thankfully, that you don't expect. Like, you know, we're talking about with World of Warcraft. I've known Andrea since I think the first Warcraft. So those I don't really audition for. They just call you in. You know, same thing with uh, Starcraft. 
you know, legacy. Sure. So those are, you know, really good, but it fluctuates. It's just that, again, with an agent like that, I mean, there, it, because it is a numbers game, you may end up, I would say, an average eight to 12 auditions a day. If it's crazy, I've had upwards of 30. And that sounds like, wow, God, that's... And it's like, trust me, when you're sitting here in your underwear at 1030 at night going, hey, 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 fuck, great, just send it, I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know... Welcome to the glamorous um, world of voiceover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there are times where it does get just a, a, a little overwhelming. But and the thing that people miss, too, is that it is a very timely business. It's like, you know, if you're going, well, I can't really do that until after 3 o'clock on Thursdays... Then this is not going to work for you. I do a fair amount of stuff from the Kimmel show, and that's all within, you know, usually within 40 minutes, maybe an hour, you know, that they want yeah. stuff back immediately. Right. And, and so, yep. and changes and stuff. And you just, you just need to be ready to kind of whatever, it's really just going with the flow, whatever comes up. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Now I realize some people aren't in that position where they, you know, are working, you know, a day job or whatever, but you have to understand that our job is to make the client happy not, and, and do with whatever they want and work around their schedule, not the other way around. So how do you deal with simple things, you know, life things like vacation? What is that? No, they just said, okay, how do you... I've been fortunate enough, in fact, coming up in uh, April, I'm going to uh, the... J. Michael is doing a big conference in Dublin, Ireland that he asked me to come over and speak at. So we'll be going to Dublin for a week, and then we're going to London to the One Voice thing there, um, which is an award ceremony. I'll be doing that in London, and then teaching a class in Paris. And then what we snuck in there, this was the life bucket thing, was doing the Orient Express for um, three days, which will be cool, and then coming into nice. Venice and staying there. It sounds so international. I just, if you have a moment, <laughs> I'd really like to talk more about me and my travel. Um, but... So it's, you know, I mean, it's like anything else. I'm still at the mercy. I have to take my rig with me if I go. And I have Source Connect on my laptop and all that. So if, if it's an absolute necessity to get it done. And there's, you know, there's always workarounds like that. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't it doesn't get too, too crazy overwhelming. What are you using for a mobile rig? I'm using a uh, Mac Air, which is great because there's no, it's solid state. So there is no fan noise at all. So you can have it sitting right there. I have an right. iPad for the copy using um, Pro Tools 11. And then I'm just, honestly, I'm using a little um, Scarlet interface. And then all the Waves plugins are in there too, so you can make it sound, you know, right. a little... T- sure. and then, but I, And that's it. I mean, and a 416. Okay. I don't take on, you know, a whole ton of stuff. I don't have the sound. I just basically build a fort, you know. And I think a lot, most people do that, all these silly things with the, why, look, I just paid $300 for a cardboard box with foam in it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it's like, well, that was a good idea. The pillow fort. The pillow, the pillow <laughs> yeah. fort is the best and most discussed topic among voiceover pros. It, but it, it works like a champ, you know. It really it does. does. I mean, the tracks it are in. I tell people that even if you're starting out and you only have a USB, like, go do it in the closet. Oh, yeah. You know, clothes are a great dampening feature. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know. So the trick I learned for the pillow fort is to uh, go ahead and set up the pillow in front of you, but then take a, a, a bath towel and put it over the top because it really just dampens all the other room noise. Takes it right out. Well, you know what's, you know, that and the other thing that works really, really well is take the little luggage rack Oh yeah, and set yeah. That I've there seen and that put your stuff on, and then put yep. the, put your talent stuff over it with the pillows inside, and it gives you just a really nice tight little sound there. You know, gives you a little boost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
you know, and hopefully, I mean, again, I, you know, there are certain things that I will just pass on and stuff because it is vacation-y too. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I don't, the plan is not to go over there and be in your room for seven hours banging auditions out or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. And then there's always that, uh, we need you to do some pickups. And now that you're back home, whatever you're doing in your studio, that just doesn't sound as good as what you were doing there. What was it you were doing over there? It doesn't sound as good as that one. <laughs> it doesn't right? sound as well, good. Now, if that happens, I have the the ability to cheat. And what I'll do is send it to the studio and have them match it there and then send it. Well, that's true. You Perfect. Know, just to clean it up. <laughs> yeah. So that, that helps. <laughs> you grew up in Hollywood. You have a really interesting story. Yes, I was I was a male prostitute at four years old, <laughs> and um, I went on unemployment at five because nobody was buying. Thanks, <laughs> Dad. <laughs> um, uh, my dad was um, used to do news at Channel Five at KTLA here, so I grew up on the sound stages at Channel Five. He started there in 1948. So, believe it or not, Dawes Butler is actually my godfather. Dawes and Stan Freeberg used to do a live puppet show there called Time for Beanie. And as a kid, I would just go, you know, sit on the grandstands and watch them and was just absolutely infatuated with, well, they're, you know, all these neat voices they're doing and the puppetry and stuff. They, back then, the, the funny part of this story was they didn't have stage lights. This was, you know, TV was brand new at that point. So they had these huge pieces of plywood with floodlights mounted to them. So these poor guys are working behind this set and it's got to be, literally uh, 130 degrees probably 135 at least <laughs> yep. and so yep. he's there's one where he's comes out and he's doing the puppet thing and he's hey beanie boy shit <laughs> and you know his, the puppet just melted on his hand and he flung it down and i was like this is so cool it's puppets in bad language you know, i want to do that if, i want to yeah, do exa- that. exactly and of course my mom was like you're never going there again you know and it was like no nah, this is cool you know so then we spent the you know rest of the summer with our puppets going hey shit 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 but you know kind of you know just doing stupid kid stuff <laughs> was it live or was it taped oh yeah oh yeah no there was no no tape at all back then. no very very experimental i mean nobody nobody knew what was going on then. so it was, it was kind of fun and you know bob hope would come cruising by and hey kid and uh, dinah shore and i mean it was just that whole genre of stuff and to be kind of you know gene autry and you know at the time as a kid, I mean, you don't, you know, people would ask my dad's autograph and you're like, yeah, but, but he still smacked my butt last night. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, it wasn't really like, oh, wow, my dad. And, yeah, I, you know, yeah. my kids are kind of, we're, we're kind of, now it's, you know, they obviously are older and grown, but at the time when they were kids, you know, their friends would be, God, can we go to the studio? And it was like, I don't want to go to the studio. It's boring, you know? You know, same thing with voices and, and you know, just all. Of, and so they if you grow up around that, I don't think it's quite as even within the VO industry, we all kind of understand each other and know what's going on. Somebody outside of that is just kind of absolutely like, what? what? Yeah. What? You mean you sit in a room and you talk and they pay you money? Well, that's a goddamn. What are these people, idiots? You know, I can do that. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, so you run into that. But. It's a fun, 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 fun job. I still haven't lost that excitement. I mean, I've, I've been extraordinarily lucky and blessed and everything else you could possibly be. I mean, again, the studio started 
way, way, way back in, I, behind a Yugoslavian landlord, just an armpit you know, of a place in East Hollywood, a guest house behind Nick Masnak, who is, Mark, Mark, your cat shit my yard. I leave this country now. I'm going to sue. I don't care what. Your cat shit my yard. I be here two years. You know, it's like, okay. Well, welcome to America, my friend. I'm sorry I'll clean up the cat Um so, you know, and that's when, and then moved into the first place, which was on Hollywood Boulevard and Gramercy Place. You know, it basically, it had a little place, doubled in size, tripled in size, and it just, it just got a little that, that bit. That was the one that I was at, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. was just, you know, it, and it started getting a little rough. When we first moved in, it was, you know, not bad. Although at that time, that's kind of between the Hollywood Freeway and Western, and anybody who in LA knows that. It's like, that's not exactly the nicest area of town. Yeah. Um, right. You could, you know, there was lots of, well, women in dresses that you'd realize, oh, wait a minute, that's not your elbow, is it? <laughs> um, so it was a, <laughs> an interesting group of people. I think I owe you for that because I was 21 or 22 at the time, and um, I worked uh, after my regular day shift at the radio station. I'd come over and work from like 6 to 10, 6 to 11, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of fun people out there by the time I got out of work. Yes, it's the classic, look what's hanging out under, or oh, that's not a tumor, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it, there's, but we have like, you know, Julie Andrews walking across the parking lot. Say, bitch! I mean, it's just like, oh, God, no. You know, <laughs> not like, that, no. No, and no, she no, was no, so no. classy. She would just kind of go with the flow and, you know, but <laughs> was lucky enough to. And then when, when I moved from there out to Burbank, it felt like, oh, my God, we're moving out to the middle of nowhere. You know, yeah. I mean, it seemed like quite a jaunt over over the hill, basically, to the other side. So in the, the building that I took over there was interesting. There used to be a company way, way, way back when called StereoVision. And Stereovision oh, did right. all those yeah, yeah, really, yeah. The, yeah, the really cheesy 3D gorilla movies and all of those. Yep. So when I first walked into the building, the guy is like, you know, it's, oh, it's kind of walking, wait a second. And the dust would blow all over and there's like little <laughs> rocket ships on strings and stuff. It was just, it was a crazy looking place. <laughs> and what a ride it's been, I'll tell you. I mean, again, just, I've been so very, 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 very fortunate. We did some really fun stuff at that Hollywood studio. We actually did audiobooks on tape when they were really on tape. Lots oh, of yeah. those. Tons In of fact, those. that was really the um, the big company that was Dove Audio. Um, right. Michael Wiener and Deborah Raffin. And right. when people talk about, well, you know, you've never even done an audio, it's like, oh, uh, well, I'll see you and raise you. Because honestly, I think we did, I don't know, about probably close to 2,000 titles. Yeah. I mean, it was, if you remember, the, the hallways were just stacked. This was going back to reel to reel where they were just Oh, I remember. With, I, uh, trust me, I remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was yeah. editing a bunch of those. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was pretty continuous. And that was one of those interesting things, too, where with, within a week after opening this new huge facility out in Burbank, they went, uh, yeah, we built our own studio. You, you, what? Hey, timing. Okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was a, a little shaky, but that just was one of those things that made us kind of branch out into some other stuff rather than concentrating on that. Brian, so, is that where that Catherine Hepburn story happened? That is. That is. So so you remember when Catherine Hepburn came and did uh, Me Stories of My Life, her autobiography? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You handed off the editing to me, and I actually had the editing on that, and... Uh, it was 
right after the first page, and she's reading through, and she's doing her thing, and she's turning the page in the middle of her comments. And, and so the producer stops her, and he says, Miss Hepburn, that was really, really great. Thank you so much. Um, I'm wondering if we can kind of go back, and uh, if you could kind of, when you get down that one part where you get ready for the page turn, if you can kind of pause for a minute so we don't get the noise of the page so we can cut that out. And then this one thing, if you could just kind of do it that way, and then we'll pick it back up again. And she stops and she says, young man, don't tell me how to read my goddamned life story. I'll stand up and walk out right now. You'll have nothing. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's like a, a moment of pause. And then the talk back button comes in and says, I'm sorry, Miss Hepburn. Please go ahead. <laughs> and that was oh, it. yeah. It's like, I think it was the last the, thing the, he had Shatner, said the whole session. <laughs> that Shatner outtake of the sabotage, sabotage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually done at the studio, and it was with Chris Borders. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, no, no, no. That, and when he goes into the, no, that's the old English pronunciation. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's mellowed a lot. I mean, he's Bill is a very, very cool guy, but boy, there he used to be a... You know, it's, you know, I want uh, sushi from, you know, some obscure place in Pasadena, meaning sending a runner and, you know, and uh, it was like, well, there's a place, yeah. Bill, there's a place really good right down the street. Do you want the session to continue? It's like, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get our, All right. you know, so runner's it's like, on his way. you know, four, $400 worth of octopus anus later that nobody has touched. You know? like, well, great. And how exactly do you acquire a taste for octopus anus? That's what I want to know. <laughs> a lot of diving. I, I don't know. I'm brave, but not that brave. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. That's a two-tank dive. <laughs> the other thing that was really cool that you used to do a lot of were the um, album interview shows. Words and music for Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those were so cool. You know, we had Warner Brothers as a client for years. Um, the story behind that was I originally, before having the studio in, in the house, how that all set up, um, I absolutely BSed my way into a huge music studio here in L.A., I knew nothing about music. I mean, they were like, so you know how to bias Grand Filler 56 tape? Um, does that does it mean it doesn't like black people? Why is it biased? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. You know, and I was an idiot. I had no idea. But anyway, took over Studio 5 from them, which was their media studio, to run it. And I remember it was, I mean, this was like, this was the quintessential Hollywood recording studio. The story, you know, Motley Crue running out naked, the mass amounts of cocaine, you know, leaning Ozzy yeah. up against a yep. wall and watching him go, well, let's go play, you know, pinball till he comes back to earth. Um, when they shut five down because they realized that they could do more with a lockout, I ended up buying, I don't ask me how, I had no credit, but ended up talking them into selling me the console, the, everything and putting it, putting it in this, this guest house. Before that, I had had, um, I talked Warner Brothers Records into coming in, and it was Van Halen's first album. Okay. And they wanted a, you know, a, it was a commercial for it, but the sure. band was there, A&R was there, the management, I mean, you know, the girls that looked like they were dead with black lipstick, black, you know, fingernail polish, black hair. It was like, well, that dead thing looks good on you. Sure. Um, <laughs> so they brought their own engineer. And the guy, he was trying to patch an effect. And I go, well, you know, man, if you do this, and he turns around in front of this room full of people and goes, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you'd shut your fucking mouth and stay out of this. And it was like, you know, right brain wanted to knock him off the chair. Left brain just sat there and, you know, turned four shades of red. They finished the spot. I think the talent 
I think the talent was Chuck Riley or somebody like that, you know, one of the old old school yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the spot, you know, I listened to it and I went, man, this, this is Van Halen. This doesn't, you know, it's just kind of sitting there. So I actually, you know, I couldn't afford a Chuck Riley. So I voiced my own spot and put together a Van Halen spot. And I put in effects, you know, phasing, you know, what you do, you know, separate channels out sure. of two different spaces to, you know, make it on that Van Halen, you know, kind of stuff. And, and put jets you know, so it was like, now, Van Healy, you know, just like, holy shit, you know. Yeah. And I tacked that on the end of this one and sent it. Well, they called, Warner Brothers called up and said, what the hell is this? And I went, I apologize. It was like, there, there went my career before it ever started, you know. <laughs> and they went, no, we love it. This is great. And that's how I got all of that, their concert spots and the words and music stuff. And, and there used to be a program we did every month with them called The Guide which uh-huh. was a music thing, like a radio show breakdown of music. But it was at that time, it wasn't just Warner Brothers Records. They were also distributing Geffen and Paisley Park and Sire and Quest. Right. And so wasn't Blade it all and, the new you know. releases, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then they would just send them over and go, you know, um, REM is going to show up tomorrow at three. Here's a bio. And it was like, great. And so, you know, you'd kind of tight with the band and do an interview show. And it, yeah, it worked out really. So I've got some phenomenal fun outtakes. You know, that nobody else has, which is fun. The Dennis Wilson outtakes, those are good from his first solo album. Wow. It's <laughs> oh, uh, the Brian what, Wilson. The Brian Wilson. Yes, Brian, Brian. Yes. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, that was one of those. I, well, yeah. You want to take those to elementary schools and go, well, this is what will happen if you don't say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually worked on the edit for that, on the raw edit. So I, I had the pleasure of hearing. The original before. <laughs> well, we were actually creating sentences. You know? Oh like, my oh, god! There's a the and an yeah. end. And a, yeah, it was it was pretty rough. No kidding. Yeah, Warner Brothers. I mean, that kept going. Goodness gracious, about twenty two years up until AOL bought them, and then it just went away. Yeah, you know. Um, wow. And even the guys that were there for ages, you know, were were gone. But yeah, it was really, really quite a quite a ride. I mean, I've still got. Some really neat, you know, outtakey stuff that's just one of a kind stuff that there isn't floating anywhere else because that's the only version of it. Yeah. So someday I'll do something with it and probably get sued if I release it. So what the heck? Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) You'll be living on your horse farm in some godforsaken longlorn place that they won't be able to find you anyway. So what the hell? Yep. I've been looking at property in Moose Dick, Iowa. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know what they say? Big things happening in Moose Dick. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, Especially if you're polite. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that... You are actually very well known for is your ability to create a voiceover demo. Talk about the demos, the good, the bad, and the ugly around demos. Well, I think, you know, now what's happened is there's a lot of people because, again, you can, you know, download, you know, free library music, next to nothing stuff, sound effects. So you have a lot of people self-producing, which... You know, as as you know, I mean, you guys are both familiar with this, and it's like unless you you know what you're doing, it, it's you can you can almost even agents can go, oh yeah, that's that crappy music library CD three cut seven, yeah, I mean, right? I've heard right. It so many times, and the key to a demo, a, a good demo, regardless of of what it is, whether it be commercial, animation, video game, narration, you know, station imaging, whatever it may be, 
is putting things on it that you would actually book and then making it sound as if it's real. If the guy's got, you know, the higher register voice going, in a world where the monsters are ready to kill everyone, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I don't think that that's really going to work. And it's like, you know, do you have that elegant Mercedes-Benz, you know, kind of feel to your voice? Or are you going to be selling a Toyota Prius? You know, right. and it's not, there's nothing wrong with it, but you just need to make that you know, fit a little bit. And the whole thing with it is just make it draw, draw attention to it. Do something that that's, you know, fun. I, I did a demo for a girl, an animation that has that quintessential little girls, kind of, a, you know, really squeaky, cute, high voice. So what I ended up doing was you hear the tinkly music, you know, and she's and gets up and the door opens and the music and she goes, good morning, Mr. Squirrel. And the squirrel chirps. She goes, good morning, Mr. Bluebird. And the bluebird says something, good morning, Mr. Tree. And the tree tinkles, good morning, Mr. Sunshine. And there's a great big thunderclap. And she goes, hey, where's my fucking sunshine? <laughs> now we beep, we beep it, of course. But you can't help but go, <laughs> because it's just not right for that. I mean, I guess it would be for Adult Swim. But, right. and th but that's a hook that makes you want to listen to the demo and see what's coming up next. Right. Yeah, that's what I learned from you in working with you about putting together demos. Your demos drove nonstop from the minute you started until the minute it finished. And, and it was always something unique and it was always something different. And it was always something that was memorable. Right. It wasn't just, oh, that guy's voice sounds really good doing that. It was something that always made it just a little more memorable than anything else that was out there. Well, it just it's like doing, you know, on the opposite end of that. The comedy element like that works very well. I remember writing a spot for a girl and she goes, you know, when we were four, we discovered, you know, dolls. And you hear the dolls playing. At 12, we discovered boys and the giggles are a little bit louder. At 18, we graduated from high school together. And you hear the pomp and circumstance, you know, as, as you go forth. And the music wells up and she goes, and at 24, I held her hand as she died from breast cancer. She was my best friend. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. You know, you're like, wow. I, I mean, that grabs your attention. Sure does. You know, and the, the key with all of that, it's just that, is to make some sort of a connection. Yep. And if you do, then you're going to create that, ah, come here, you got to hear this. Right. And that's, that's really what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, you also do a lot of coaching and workshops. Talk about how that developed and um, what you really love doing with that, with those those types of activities. You know, the coaching thing for me is more of a, honestly, I don't charge very much to do that. I mean, by what standards people are charging, because yeah. it's not it's not a money kind of a thing. I'm fine. Um, it, it's, it, I don't know. It's just more of a pay it forward and be honest with people and go, look, 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 this is what this really is. Yeah. You know, rather than the, well, I think what we need to do now is delve into what you're going to do as far as a business. But I think what we need, here's what we need to do. We need to work on your letterhead. You know, it's like, what? Right. <laughs> oh, you don't need your letterhead. <laughs> what letterhead? What does yeah. that have to do, yeah. you know? You know, there's a big thing I know out there with, with people talk about branding, and I, I understand that. I'm not a huge—I mean, it depends on, on what that is. I know I will get in trouble for saying this well, because branding's every—but, you know, if I get a demo and it says, my voice is solid like an oak tree— Really? No shit. Where's the tree category? <laughs> right. Oh, no, I'm sorry, bud. You're falling more in that eucalyptus area. You know, it, it's— <laughs> 
you know, I think things like that, you can get a little too silly. For the longest time, demos had all of that with a little cutie. It was like a girl named, you know, what was it? Something Campbell with Campbell's Soup or the Kit Kat Bar. Yeah. Or the, you know what I mean? Right. With all the little, you know, cute look. And that really, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Hit play and go, whoa. The guys that are, are really big in this are not worrying about, you know, what their branding is. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the guys that that, that really work a lot and, and, you know, VO, I mean, the people look up to, look at your, you know, Rob Paulson's and Jess Harnell's and, and Tress McNeil and, you know, Billy West. and I mean, they're just, you know, the name has identification, certainly, but they're not calling themselves, you know, the man of a million voices. You know, it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I've said something very similar before. Uh, to me, okay. It, well, this this wasn't me saying it then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I do really agree with you. You know, it, it's it's one thing if you really have something that you want to be known for. You know that that to me would be a good branding thing. If there's this thing that you do and you do it really well and you want to make a name for yourself as doing that, I can see the justification for it. But to me, branding is you. It's your personality. It's how well you interact with people. Of course, it's how well you do the gig sure. because, you know, it, it starts, it, it has to start there. But you know as well as I do the number of people. I mean, you and I have had conversations about even a couple of people that we know that are really talented and you just don't want to work with them because they are a gigantic pain in the ass. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things that, you know, too, don't ever reach that point in your career where you know, you start believe. Well, God, that really does smell nice. <laughs> oh my God, I smell like a thespian. You know, it's like no. I mean, just realize you're very lucky. You're very blessed. If you're talented, then you're even more blessed. You know, but you're in a situation that you should be extraordinarily thankful to be there. Yep. Yeah, we've especially in LA. I mean, I've worked with a, a zillion people who just are like, you know, this cocky. We had one uh, uh, a big ADR session with a very well-known starlet, or actually, she's a star. She's very, very well-known. Thirty-three lines to do in five hours. She had done three. <laughs> oh, um, wow! She fought the ADR supervisor every single. So it was like, of course, we're privy to this. No one else is. So he'd sit in there and go, um, "Yeah, let's let's just call her uh, Marissa." Okay, so. Um, yeah, Marissa, let's try this. No, I'm not jeopardizing my performance. Absolutely not. Production audio is fine. Hang on just for a sec. He'd go out in the hallway and it turns into Sam Kennison. God, I don't understand. I'm Jesus. Um, come back in. Yeah, okay. Let's try this. <laughs> he'd go, no, I think that that's fine too. And then he'd go back out in the hallway. She still won't run. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, it was an interesting day. You know, thankfully the clock was ticking, so we didn't care overwhelmingly. But, you know, it's it just, but I mean, there are people that, that, you know, start believing that kind of silliness. And it's like, you know, don't do that. Just be thankful for what you're doing. I mean, it's a wonderful gig. You know, Rob Paulson hit it on the head with, you know, because we're all getting paid a lot of money for stuff we got in trouble for in grade school, yep. you know. Yep. So, yeah, there are worse ways to make a living. <laughs> there are plenty of worse ways to make a living. So how do people reach you for uh, fun and profit? Um, best thing right now is, is you can reach at the studio or my, my direct um, – Website is uh, www.markmarc-graue.com. That email goes directly to me. It bypasses the studio. Um, okay. The studio, it's just, I find that, you know, within five minutes, it's like on page three. So, 
Yeah, it's just www.mark-crow.com or 747-333-8186 is a direct line if anybody wants to call. Okay. And operators are standing by, but that's not all, because if you order today, you'll also get <laughs> naked pictures of Randy and Brian. Cool. Oh, okay. Operators are standing. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you props for one thing, Mark. Anytime I send an audition out, now, now there are a few times that you have been beat. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I know better because I've watched you, but I swear to God, you're standing at the ready like your hands on the mic. I give you an audition. I've had things back from you in five minutes sometimes. You're like almost always the very first person to send anything back. How do you do that? What's weird is I've been doing this for so long, it's almost like your internal clock has changed. So it's like if I have a pet peeve, it's somebody being late because everything we my entire life is based on a quarter hour. Right. You know, it's like right. three, three fifteen, three thirty, quarter of four, five. It's just, you know, because that's when you're blocking time. And to, so most of that is like if there's a time it's like get it done now get it out so that it's not you know again you just so you don't space out and forget because sometimes honestly i've i've actually forgotten ideas and i've got you know the agents go well how come you didn't submit for that you know it's um because because of alzheimer's you know know, it just kind of got lost in the shovel and i you know you go move on and start doing other stuff right you know yeah, no, that's true. With that, we are so grateful for your time, and, and we know that your time is very limited. So we're going to go ahead and, and, and roll this one to a close and hope to have you on again sometime soon. It's so good to catch up with you. It's been way too long, and, and uh, i got to figure out a way to get out and see you. You uh, too, buddy. You're all, you know, I'll get back that way, because I was actually in— um, I was up in, in Cincinnati, of all things, and then drove down to Nashville not ages oh. too long ago. Okay. You know. So wanted to do the whole, and I'll tell yeah. you what, my my son had never shot a gun and wanted to, Dad, can we go to a firing range? Uh. And Dad went, sure. Well, let me tell you, a firing range, now I'm not a huge gun advocate, just so that's known, sure. but a firing range in Kentucky, well, <laughs> let's just say that deliverance comes to mind. <laughs> and there's an old joke about Ned Beatty getting the script for, <laughs> for deliverance. <laughs> Fellas, I, I seem to be missing page 33. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> There's no dialogue. You'll be so, fine. Just do what and, we tell you. And this this was uh, definitely just like, oh, man. <laughs> um, I mean, you draw, you ain't never seen that many people with that teeth and shit, too. You know what? You see that fucking car right there, too? I got a bazooka back here. You want to blow the fucker up? <laughs> you know, it's like, um, we, 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 we have to go. You know, <laughs> like. Well, this has been an absolute blast, man. Oh, man, oh, man. We need to figure out a way to get together more often, so. Absolutely, guys. This, this was a treat, man. That's the only thing we were missing was sitting in a bar over a beer, but this was, this was awesome. Very, very oh, awesome. how do you know I'm, I'm not sorry, there? You I was going to say, you didn't, you didn't pop a beer before? Before we started? Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't even put my clothes on yet. <laughs> wait, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that, that doesn't oh, no. stop me from popping a beer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> True. I need to give better instructions when we start. All right. <laughs> but this was this was really a treat, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Randy, I love you, man. I, do, I love you too, Brian. It was really, really great to hear you guys are old buddies, and it's kind of nice to get together with you. I agree. Yeah, absolutely, man. So until next time, Randall. BT. Mark. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there Until you go. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll talk soon. 
Mark Rau is high-energy fun and an exceptionally gracious and kind person I have had the pleasure to work with over the last 30 years. You can find his contact info at mark-grau.com. That's M-A-R-C-G-R-A-U-E dot com. Workshops, coaching, one-on-ones, demo production, and more. Mark is willing to share so that you can gain from his experience in the business. I'll tell you, it is worth it just for the conversation alone. Let's Talk VoiceOver is hosted by Randy Ryan, owner of Hamster Ball Studios, voice music and sound design, and me, Brian Talbot, actor and all-around creative guy. If you have comments, questions, ideas for other show topics that you'd be interested in hearing or yet just want to let us know what you think, you can reach out to us by sending an email to bt at letstalkvoiceover.com or go to our website at letstalkvoiceover.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher so you don't miss an episode. You can try other media apps. Can't promise that we're there. Can't promise that we're not. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We'll bug the crap out of you every time there's a new episode. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk VoiceOver. We'll talk again real soon.